Hello, and welcome to the CBC The Rim podcast. We're glad you found us. CBC The Rim is a church in San Antonio, Texas. If you want to learn more about us, you can find us at cbctherim.com. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good evening. How are we feeling? Yeah, I love it. Well, if you have a Bible tonight, I'd love you to grab it and meet me in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Feel freedom to go to the table of content if you need to do that. Well, uh, my name is Drew Worsham, and I'm the lead pastor here at CBC The Rim. And uh, welcome. If this is your first time here, uh, we're so glad that you chose to be a part of our family tonight. Hopefully you got a little black bag full of goodies. Uh, If you didn't, um, you can swing by the first time guest table on your way out. But that's just our attempt to bribe you to come back and just to be very honest. And if this is your first time, we would love for you to swing by because I'll I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. And I would love to just shake your hand, meet you, say hi, and once again tell you thanks for being a part of our family. Um, My hope always is to never be the guy just on the stage Um, but to walk alongside of you through life, through the good times and when the days when the road gets really, really steep. I love you guys, and it's an honor to get to be your pastor. Uh, Real quick, have to say uh, just a shout out. Go Runners, and congratulations, yeah, uh, to Coach Pittman and the uh, UTSA women's soccer team. Uh, They won their last home game uh, just a few hours ago. My wife and I, we have to slip out to support our seniors. Many of them uh, are either at the five o'clock and many of them are at the seven o'clock as well. And so we just love that they're a part of our church and we just wanna root for them. And uh, here's the deal, our, our hope as a church that we would always lift the city, that we lift our community and that we would also lift the college campus. That we don't wanna be just a church with college students, we wanna be a church for college students. So with that being said, go runners, okay? If you're joining us for the first time, uh, we are right in the middle of a sermon series that we're calling Six Practices, and we've just zeroed in on on six core practices that as a church we want to be all about, that we want these kind of woven into the fabric and the DNA uh, of this church. And so week one, we talked about that we are anchored in Scripture and in a culture that's constantly wavering, that we we want to find our hearts rooted in God's Word. Then the second week, we talked about that we're a family on mission, and at the moment that we see God as Father, we're born into a family. And so the question is not, are we a part of a family, but what kind of family are we becoming, and what are we focused on? And we believe that we're called to love one another and to love the world in which we live. Then week three, we talked about that we are disciples that make disciples, And we believe this is the very heartbeat of the church, that this is the calling on all of our lives if we know and love Jesus. And oftentimes as the Western church, we've missed this detail, that we spend so much focus building the church, which Jesus actually never asked us to do. Jesus actually said, I'll build the church, you just make disciples, because when you make disciples, you get the church. But so often we focus our attention on building the church, and we rarely get disciples of Jesus. And then last week, we talked about we were radically generous. And we had our doctor doctor and pastor Ed Newton with us. He's our global pastor. And he did an amazing, amazing job. We're just so honored to have him in our house. And uh, we did some really crazy stuff uh, that you probably have not seen at churches before. 
Uh, you know, if you've been around CBC, whether it's Gold Canyon or the Rim very long, we don't pass uh, an offering plate. We don't pass the bucket. We have giving kiosks where people can just kind of give digitally or online or you can kind of put money in an envelope. And we never really, we don't put a lot of attention on that because it can make us feel a little weird. But we did last week, we took uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets and uh, we asked you to pass the buckets and to put cash if you had to give sacrificially. And then we did something crazy. We told you that we're not going to keep a dollar of that, not even a penny. And we passed the buckets a second time and asked if you had any need whatsoever that you would take from the bucket. And many of you looked at us like we were crazy. Uh, but I just want to share just a few quick stories. After all the, the buckets were passed, we had a little, over th- like a little under $3,000 left over in cash. And we've already allocated that money. And I can't wait for the weeks to come for you to see how we're going to use that to bless our community and bless our church. But just a few, man, short stories, because I know some of you are here. And I really hope this is okay. But I just want to brag on you as a family. We had a young woman uh, in the, the five o'clock specifically. Um, a part of her story is this really cool redemption that God has pulled her out of the sex industry and showed up not knowing, I mean, really just honest, it's like I don't have gas, I have just enough gas to get to CBC The Rim, but I don't have enough to get home. And showed up here, and as the buckets were passed, the person sitting next to her knew the need, reached into the bucket for her, and, and kind of pretty much just shoved a wad of cash into her hands to help take care of her. At the 7 o'clock, we had a young man who had no clue how he was going to pay rent. And his roommates took cash for him and forced him to take it. And he was just ultimately, like, he's asking lots of questions about Jesus and said, I don't deserve this. And they got to just really kind of point to Jesus in that conversation. We had a young woman in the 5 o'clock who has a disease and has to have a surgery that's going to be, man, very, very expensive, close to $15,000. No idea how she's going to pay for it. She was serving in the 5 o'clock in our kids' ministry. And two of her RIM community leaders knew that she had that need. And so at 5 o'clock when the buckets are passed, they pulled out a couple hundred dollars and were able to give that to her after the 5 o'clock. And so, hey, I want to say thank you, one, not only for giving, but thank you for taking and giving again to our people who were just, it's a wrestle and there's just, it's, it's awkward and to watch the buckets get passed and to take from it, that's a difficult thing. So love you guys and just so, so proud of our church and uh, it was a cool, cool moment. And then at the end of the gathering, we announced that uh, we, we encourage you guys, if you've never, man, kind of entered into just the whole tithing thing that we told you that if you'll take a 90-day tithing challenge and for the next 90 days you give to God and if he doesn't bless you, if he doesn't completely draw near and take care of you, we'll give you every single dollar back. And we've allocated that money that comes in to coming alongside of young women in our community who have maybe stepped into and found themselves pregnant and are questioning whether or not to terminate the pregnancy. And we want to be a church that steps into that and goes, we will not be silent. That we, will, we want to love really, really well. And so, once again, thank you guys for being an incredible church. I love that, that that's who we are. So proud of you. 
But tonight what I want to do is we're going to actually continue talking about the radical generosity. We're going to do a part two. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a second. If you need to close your eyes, you can do that. I want you to think about all the resources that you have in your life right now. I want you to think about all the blessings that God has put in your life right now. And so maybe it's your health, it's your time, it's your finances, it's maybe a skill set, a talent, a job, it's your home, maybe a car, health, family, your wisdom, life experience, all of the resources that God has given you. And then tonight, I want to ask God to speak to us through his word. Jesus, you have overwhelmed us with blessings. And Father, tonight, every, everything that you've given us is meant to be given back to you. But if we're honest, that's difficult. It's a challenge. And so, Jesus, we're just asking you to whisper to our heart tonight and show us the next step to take. That's all we need, just the next step. So, Father, I pray for us that our hearts would be open to receive from you. We love you. We trust you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, Luke chapter 18, this is what it says starting in verse 35. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what is happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 40, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. So Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Well, there's four things tonight that we're going to see in this text, and we just saw it in the video as well. But point number one tonight is that we're called as a church to give generously to give generously. And that's just a part of being radically generous. It makes sense to give generously. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time here because we spent all last week talking specifically about being radically generous with our finances. But I want you to see that just a few verses before this, Jesus has a very interesting conversation with a young entrepreneurial man, and he asks Jesus, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus tells him, sell everything and come follow me. And what I want you and I to be reminded of tonight is that Jesus is not after your pocketbook. He isn't in need of your money, but he is after our hearts. And he knows that where our treasure is, there our heart is as well. Where our money goes, our heart is quick to follow. And Jesus wants yours and my heart. And he wants us to steward our resources for maximum kingdom impact, not just for personal gain. 
but we wrestle with giving generously because of a scarcity mindset that many of us think I would give if I have more, more time, more treasure, more resources. And most of us think that we don't have enough. And if we do have enough, then we don't know how long it's going to last so that we need to store up. So let me kind of explain this a little bit. If you think back to the Garden of Eden and the story of Adam and Eve, they're deceived by a terrible lie. And the lie is that God is holding out on us and that God hasn't truly given us what we need to flourish. And so the lie produces within Adam and Eve a scarcity mindset, which forces us to focus on what we don't have instead of recognizing what's been given to us. And in the biblical story, when humanity operates out of a distrustful, scarcity mind, they begin to justify selfish behavior, violence, deception, envy, jealousy, lying for personal gain. And this all happens when God's people have a scarcity mindset. But Jesus comes onto the scene and invites his followers to imitate his life of generosity towards others. Living generously requires a posture of trust in God. I'll say that again. Living generously requires a posture of trust in God. If we aren't generous with our lives, ultimately we aren't trusting God. But our hearts are rooted in the conviction that God has given us all that we need. And if Jesus gave the ultimate gift of his own life for us, despite our selfishness and failure, then our responsible, like, or our reasonable response is to extend the same loving gift to others. Jesus shows us that God is a generous God who is given abundantly. We've been given so much, whether we believe it or not, we are in this room wealthy people. Like we're wealthy people. Like I just recently read this Gallup poll where they polled a lot of people in America asking them whether or not they're rich. And it is, here's what's interesting. Almost no one in America thinks they're rich. They're constantly looking at, oh, if I make $25,000 a year, that if I make 50, that's when you get rich, when you make $50,000 a year. If you make $50,000, no, it's when you get $100,000 a year. That's when you're really wealthy. And it really kind of landed and said pretty much if you think that most people think that $120,000 a year, that's like the pinnacle. The only people that don't think that are people that make $120,000 or more a year. But here's what's crazy. And I don't know if you know this or not. If you're in this room and your household combined income is $36,000 or more. Combined income, meaning you each make $18,000 a year. You are in the top 4% wealthiest people on planet Earth. If your combined income is $45,000 or more, you're in the top 1% of the planet. You and I have been given so much And as followers of Jesus, we've been given the greatest gift the world has ever known. The love, the grace, and the mercy of God. It's been freely given to us, but yet cost us, or cost our Savior, everything. And so our lives have been forever changed. We were once dead in our sin, but we're now alive in Christ. We have been the recipients of radical generosity. And because we've freely received, now we freely give. 
So part of being radically generous is to give generously. Point number two is this, to be radically generous, we serve sacrificially. Serve sacrificially. Well, look at verse 35 tonight. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho. As Jesus approached Jericho. Now, why that's significant is this, is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way. He's a day, maybe two days away from Jerusalem. Now, why is that important? Because just a few verses later, Jesus shows us. And so if you pop up to verse 31, it says this. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. It'll end up being the Romans. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples didn't understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. In this passage, Jesus is telling us about how he's going to die for all of humanity. Jesus serves you and I sacrificially by literally sacrificing his life for us. He tells us in John 15 that greater love has no man, like, or no one than this, that someone may lay his life down for his friends. And Jesus models this perfectly with his own life. In Matthew 20, verse 28, it said this, that just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus, if you think about this, on the night that he's portrayed, he gathers together his closest boys for one last meal in the upper room. And right before they eat, Jesus takes a pail of water and washes the disciples' feet. This would have been an errand that was totally set aside for the lowest of servants. And yet Jesus does this and tells the disciples to do likewise. We believe that you and I are never more like Jesus than when we choose to serve. That we believe serving others is the greatest form of leadership. There is no act beneath us. The question is, do we seek to serve or be served? Like real talk, real talk. Even on Sunday evenings when we show up, do we come here with an anticipation to be served or to serve. I think there's a reason that across the Western church that we call this thing that's happening a service. That we come here thinking that this is some form of good and service. That as long as we tithe, Drew, you do your job, and if it's entertaining and we like it enough, we'll keep coming. That's why we've honestly been really intentional with not using and ever calling this a service. Not that that's wrong, but we intentionally call it a gathering. Why? Because this is a gathering of the followers of Jesus in a random gym at a charter school. And we gather here to love and serve one another. And that's a big difference. And that's why we have the dream team Many of you have heard us talk about this. 
The dream team is what we call those that volunteer and serve in our church. Uh, we honestly, I just real talk, uh, we were talking about it, calling them just volunteers, but that felt so insignificant because we want to empower all of us to use all of our gifts for the glory of God. And so we were just talking about the dream team. I love basketball and love that uh, when the shift and Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, and we can go into that another day at another time, but just a big fan. And so it just sounded a little cheesy and also super cool at the same time. And so a dream team for us is the easiest way to get involved in serving one another and serving within the church. I mean, even this morning, I love this. We had some of the dream team leaders show up to our house, have breakfast, and just begin to dream and tell stories about what God is doing amongst our church. I love that. And that's a big part of what it looks like to not just serve here, but to serve our community. I remember my freshman year of high school, uh, I tried out for uh, the freshman uh, basketball team at our high school and made it, in case you were wondering. Uh, I wasn't this tall, but I was still pretty tall. And my freshman year, so I make the freshman team, and about halfway through this season, uh, a coach calls me in to his office. And uh, the whole time before this, we were called, like the freshmen traveled with the JV and traveled with the varsity. And I remember sitting in the bleachers of the varsity games and just going, oh, I just can't wait. Like cheering them on one day, maybe my junior year, senior year, I'll get to make varsity. And we'll cheer. And I just would be in the stands just cheering them on and walking in my freshman year halfway through the season and coach throws me a jersey. And a jersey much like this. We were opening up, and in the back, 25, my number and my name. And going, Coach, what is this? And he goes, Drew, you're no longer on the freshman team. You're on the varsity team. And we need you tonight to wear this jersey to get out of the bleachers and to get into the game. And that moment, man, just even looking back on my life changed a lot. It changed a lot, just even the way that ultimately where I would choose to go to college and all of those things. But here's what I want you to say for you and I, if you know Jesus, if you're following Jesus, at the moment you said yes to him, someone threw you a jersey and said, it's time to get out of the bleachers. It's time to not just be a cheerleader. It's time to get into the game. Now, I want you to hear me, and I'll say this in love. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> We're working on that clapping thing. It's, uh, Gold Canyon does it well. We're still trying to figure it out. But here's the deal. We believe that it's impossible to have impact without involvement. Listen, no, no one counts the wins and losses of the referee. No one cares. Why? Because they're not involved in the game. They don't have a jersey. They don't put the ball through the hoop. And you and I, it's easy. Gosh, it's so easy to sit on the sidelines. And God has called us to impact the game, to impact our community, to impact the college campus, to impact the city. And we want to do this really, really well. So not only are we called to give generously and to serve sacrificially, point number three to be radically generous, we have to love loudly. Love loudly. As you just saw in the video earlier with Aria, 
Loud means to bestow something in strong, exceptional volume and intensity. And we are called to be a church that surrounds and pours love on people, both those inside of the family and those outside the family. That Jesus said, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Not how nice you are, not how few cuss words are in your vocabulary or a few rated R movies that you watch. No, that the world will be changed. And they'll know that we are Jesus' disciples by the way we love one another. And we refuse to have a soft or quiet love. We will be a people who love loudly. Why? Because that's what Jesus modeled for us here. So let's just take a look. And we'll just reread verse 35. It says this. So as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? They told him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. In verse 40, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. Just that. I want you to think about this. Like Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows that he's about to put his life on a cross, our cross. That's our death penalty for our treason. And he's going to He's going to take on the sin of the world. He knows that that's just a day or two away. Like he's got a lot on his mind, probably slightly stressed out. He's a busy man. He's very important. And all of a sudden, this blind man begins to yell out his name, and the disciples rebuke him, and they're like, hey, bro, chill out. Jesus got a lot of things on the to-do list, cross being one of them. Just chill out. Just hush it. Literally, what it's, just keep it quiet. And he just cranks up the volume. And what I love is Jesus stops. He stops. And that little letter B is this, that we see Jesus was interruptible. With all the things in the world on his plate, and Jesus still takes the time to stop. That the disciples were annoyed, but Jesus was interruptible. And you and I, we can't be radically generous when we're selfish with our time. And I know, listen, I, I really do, that this room is filled of busy and important people with a lot of important things on our to do list. But none of us is as important as Jesus with the most important task in human history in front of him. But yet he was interruptible and made time for this homeless blind man. I've heard it said one time that love is spelled T-I-M-E. It's spelled time. And you and I as a church, we're going to have to learn to put margin in our lives if we're going to love our neighbors the way that Jesus has called us to. You can't be super busy and love the way that Jesus loved. I'm learning that, honestly, the hard way right now. I'm learning that the hard way. But Jesus is not only interruptible, Jesus shows interest. He shows interest. 
that he looks at this man and asks him, what do you want me to do for you? That Jesus asked a question to get to the very heart and need of this young man. That the disciples, they tried to ignore this man, but Jesus showed interest. Jesus had eyes to see people that were often overlooked. This is the way, like we love people by having eyes to see them. And if I'm honest, everything in me, when I meet you, wants to come across as interesting. Like, I I want you to walk away from an interaction and be like, man, Drew's like super cool and very interesting. But what I'm learning is at some point I have to seek to be interested before being interesting. And that's hard. That's a tension. It's a wrestle. But that's why we seek to, to dive into people's lives, ask intentional questions, the hard questions. I love it. Just one of the young ladies who does life at our house on Wednesday nights in our room community walked by. I was like, how are you doing? And she kind of gave me that, eh, fine. I was like, you're lying. And uh, how are you really doing? And she's not good. Not good. And we have to be a community that's willing to actually show interest to people, to love them loudly. And then letter C is this. Not only did Jesus, was he interruptible, he shows interest, but Jesus invested. Jesus invested. In verse 42, it says this, and Jesus said to him, recover your sight, your faith has made you heal, or your whole well. Jesus took his power and he invested into this young man. The disciples withheld from him, but Jesus invested. Jesus gives of his resources, much like the apostles in Acts chapter 2, or Acts 3, walk by another homeless beggar, uh, and they say, listen, silver and gold, we ain't got it, but what we do have, we give freely in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And all of a sudden, for the very first time in this man's life, his legs strengthen and straighten, and he stands up for the very first time. That Jesus doesn't have a lot of earthly treasure, but what he did have, he gave freely, his power. He invested his abilities and his power into this man and gives him sight. He could have withheld his giftings from the man, but he loves him loudly by giving him the gift of sight. Tonight, listen, God wants to use your talents and abilities to advance the kingdom of God and unlock the power of God in others' lives. How has God wired you and gifted you to love and serve those around you? Have you thought about that? All all of your aptitudes, all of your gifts, all of your wirings, like who put those in you? God did. For what reason? Not so that you could build your own little kingdom, but that you and I could step into the game and advance the kingdom of God, not just here in our community, but all over the world. And maybe it's not by accident that you're good at that thing that very few people are good at. Maybe it's not by accident that you happen to be a doctor, that you happen to be a teacher, that you happen to be really good at math. I don't know how he'll use that, but I'm convinced he can. 
that you all have gifts and talents and abilities. And God wants to use them to advance the kingdom and unlock the power of God in others' lives. Jesus is radically generous with his time. He's radically, and radically generous with his attention. And Jesus is radically generous with his talent. So tonight, going back to the original question, what are your resources, your time, your treasure, your talent, your home, car, forgiveness, hospitality, life, your presence, your job, your skill set? We all have resources. The question is, will we operate in a scarcity mindset with those resources that God has given us, or will we love loudly by being radically generous with them? Last and final point. Point number four, to be radically generous, we worship wholeheartedly. We worship wholeheartedly. I love this passage ends. that Jesus gives this man sight, receive your sight, your faith has healed you, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. They experience the goodness of God, and it leads them to worship, that this man encounters the powerful, loud love of Jesus and can't help but worship. Not only that, but everyone who witnesses the power and the presence of God worshiped as well. And simply put, worship is our response to God. It's our response to God. That being generous with all of our time, our talents, and our treasure, that's the true act of worship. That our worship is a response to the extravagant grace and glory of God. And it becomes our joy to give generously. Listen, we don't believe that worship is a song. Or we don't believe it's something that we simply do. We believe that worship is who we are. Worship is expressing reverence and adoration to something so much greater than ourselves. And the truth is, in life, we all worship something. That's not up for debate. We all worship something. As a church, we have chosen to worship God the Creator with our whole being. Our whole being, that's our time, our treasure, and our talent. Have you ever thought about that? That how you spend your time is worship. How you spend your money, it's worship. How you use the talents that God has given you, it's worship. The question is not what will you worship, but what are you worshiping? Real talk, we can look at your bank statements and tell you exactly what you worship. We can look at your calendar, you know exactly what you're worshiping. Church, I want you to know, Jesus, is the only thing that's worthy of our worship. He really is. He, re he really is.
And in the moments where we're not convinced of that or we're unsure, I just, you look and we go, okay, Jesus, I just don't know if you can be trusted. He can be. He really can be. And on the days where you're like, I'm just not sure if he's worth it, please trust me and know that he is worth it. He's absolutely worth it. And in the days you don't believe that, all that means is you've just taken your eyes off of him. In the days where we look and go, Jesus, I don't know if you really are a treasure worth pursuing with all of my life. All that means is that you've taken your eyes off of him. And that maybe you're, you're looking at something else that's not him or something that's counterfeit, but he will always, always be worth it. And so church, because we've been given to so radically generous, we want to be a church that responds with our whole lives, our whole hearts. And so tonight, I don't know what the next step for you is. I can't spell it out. I, I wish I could. I wish I could break it down. We've tried to make this incredibly practically, like practical, like for you. I don't know if that's, hey, maybe taking a next step and joining the dream team. And, or maybe it's, trusting God and you're testing him with your finances or maybe it's starting to figure out what it looks like to take your gift your talent your ability and use those for his glory Colossians 3 Paul tells us this that whatever it is that you do whatever that that Greek word whatever literally means whatever like whatever you do in word or in deed and the things that you say and the things that you do, would you do it all to point to Jesus and make much of him because he's absolutely worth it? Or maybe tonight. Maybe you'd be so honest and go, Drew, I, I've never experienced the radical generosity of Jesus in my life. But maybe God's speaking to you tonight. Maybe there's something stirring and you're like, Drew, Never had that moment where I've pushed all the chips in Texas Hold'em style. But tonight I want that. Tonight I need him more than anything. My encouragement is that you would not leave Basis Charter School without being introduced to the God of the universe who's given you everything, loves you deeply, and is inviting you to so much more. And so tonight, maybe that means you grab the person that brought you here, that loves you enough, that tricked you into showing up. They're like, hey, we're gonna go to a movie and grab dinner. And gave you a hot pocket on the way in and said, here we are. Maybe you grab them and go, hey, let's, let's go grab coffee and I need to talk about this Jesus. Or you come find one of us at CBC Cares table. We'd love to, I would love, I would personally love to introduce you to Jesus. He changed everything about my life and he's been absolutely worth it. So tonight, whatever that next step is for you, would you be obedient and take it? Would you stand with me? I'll pray. Jesus, 
you're good. And you have given everything in pursuit of us, Jesus, to rescue us, to redeem us, that you came from heaven to planet Earth, put on human flesh, gave your life as a ransom to buy us back, to rescue us, to redeem us, that we can be called your sons and daughters. And that's freely given and freely we want to receive it. And then, Jesus, we want to give you everything back, trusting you. So, Jesus, I pray for those in the room that need to take that first step in chasing after you. Would you show them how to do that? Would you give them courage, allow them to be brave, to maybe grab someone and say, introduce me to you. And, Father, for the rest of us, we all have a step to take. We all need to learn what it looks like to model our life after you. So Jesus, just show us. Show us how to do it. We desperately, desperately need your help. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to the CBC The Rim podcast. If you like the message, then check us out at cbctherim.com. There you can learn more about our gathering times, upcoming events, or how to get more involved. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at CBC The Rim. Thanks for listening.